Hello and welcome back to week four, episode four of the Brotherly Sports Podcast, presented by the Fans Place. I'm Sam Wexler, and alongside me are the brothers, Rory and Connor Billing. Rory, how are you doing? I see you're outside this afternoon. I am. It's a nice day here in Indianapolis, and I have a roommate who speaks very loudly on the phone, so <laughs> necessitates being outside. Connor, indoor is always on the couch. How are you doing? Yep, this is where I sit for about 24 hours a day. No, I'm good. <laughs> if I did that when I was in Denver, I'd be doing something wrong. Well, now that we got a little bit of the introductions and locations out of the way, let's look at the standings. Chicago up on St. Louis by four games, and they play a couple games this weekend, so that'll be a race to watch. The Braves have pulled away from everybody as the Mets are crashing and burning, and the Phillies can't catch them. The Dodgers have a plus 94 run differential and are up five games on the Padres, so that division is really not in question. And the Rays have overtaken the Yankees are, and are shooting straight to the moon. They're up four and a half on the Bronx Bombers. In the AL Central, Cleveland and Chicago and Minnesota all neck and neck within a game and a half. And out west, Oakland's still holding on to a two and a half game lead over the Astros. You guys have any initial thoughts on what surprised you the most in the change in the standings this week? The Rays have just been incredible. I think they're 19-8 um, and eight against teams that are over 500 this year. They're 21-5 and five in their last 26. Um, Blake Snell is pitching a little bit better. Tyler Lasno has been a bit up and down, but he looks like he's getting back on track. I think that's going to be a very, very tough team to beat in the postseason. Mike Brousseau hit two home runs yesterday against the, Yan against the Yankees. Um, he's a guy that just crushes left-handed pitching, so – I think they're going to be an almost they're going to be a very challenging out once it, once we get to October. I think there there are a couple of things to watch. One, don't look now, but the Astros are only two and a half games behind the Athletics, so they didn't start out the season well, but they're quietly hanging around at five games over five hundred, only two and a half back. As well as we mentioned, the Cubs and the Cardinals. Cardinals have played eight less games than the Cubs. So they're four games back, but they're also eight games behind. They've got the series this weekend. And as the Cardinals try to play catch up, it'll be interesting to see if that helps them close the gap or if they become a little bit too tired and too exhausted with the slate of games they'll have over the next couple months to try to catch up with the rest of the teams. Touch the handle. If it's hot, there could be a fire in the hallway. Ah, my hand, that's hot. <laughs> this was hot too. What does warm mean? Yeah, now let's look at some of the standout hitters and pitchers of the week. A lot of guys really strutting their stuff and getting into their midseason stride now that they've had a chance to adjust to the pitching. Nelson Cruz, as old as he is, he's got 13 home runs and is tied for the lead in the majors for Jacks. To see him still doing it for decade upon decade is just really crazy. The ageless one. <laughs> Seems like his power never, no matter how old he gets, his power is always there, which is pretty crazy. Um so it'll be fun to watch, see if he can help and keep this up as the Twins battle for the AL Central. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of um, David Ortiz with the Red Sox. I mean, he was still hitting about as well as Nelson Cruz's his final season in Boston um, before he retired. Obviously, it was a huge part of that team. I think Nelson Cruz is going to have to be the same for the Twins. A couple things I was looking at this week in terms of some standout hitting. The not-as-well-known Brad Miller – had seven RBIs and a 16-2 win for the Cardinals against my Reds a couple of days ago. Um, he's a guy that doesn't play a ton of defense, but um, has a 1.131 OPS on the season. 
And in a season with a team like St. Louis, when you have a bunch of COVID issues and people shuttling back and forth, you know, the only way that you can be around 500 is when you find guys like Brad Miller who have seasons like he's having. So that's been, uh, it's been pretty, pretty crazy to watch. And then on the pitching side, a um, couple of the young guys that we thought were going to be really good, like uh, uh, Casey Mize and Tree Scooball, have, have definitely had to make some adjustments. But then some of the other guys, Sixto Sanchez, Tristan McKenzie, have come out of the gate really hot. Uh, both of those guys have put in three initial phenomenal starts. Um, Sixto's ERA is at 237, 19 strikeouts and 19 innings. Tristan McKenzie is even better at 169 with 19 Ks and 16 innings. Um, you know, both those teams, the Marlins and the Indians, look like they've got a decent shot at the playoffs both those guys are going to have to keep pitching like that and hope that hitters don't start making adjustments over the last uh, final third of the season yeah speaking of historic runs and really great pitching Shane Bieber has been phenomenal from the get-go right out of the gates and if he keeps it up he can approach Bob Gibson's single season ERA record Bieber now standing at a 120 ERA obviously the single season record by Bob Gibson at uh 112 ERA but do you think Shane Bieber is going to be able to keep it up? Uh, I mean, I definitely think he'll be able to keep it up. You know, the question is with a, <laughs> with a Bob Gibson, I'm not sure exactly how many innings he threw in that season with his 1.12 ERA. I think it was, here we go, about 304 innings. So that'll be slightly more than, uh, <laughs> than Bieber will throw this year. But um, I think Bieber could, has a very good shot at ending the season under two. Uh, he could be around 1.5, 1.6. It doesn't look like anybody's catching up to him anytime soon. Yeah, I think outside of the guys we just mentioned, obviously Ozuna had a good week, hit, had the three-homer game against the Red Sox. But also Zach Wheeler is quite quietly having a pretty good year this year. He threw the ball well again. He's 4-0 with a 220 ERA and a 1.07 whip, which for a historically slow starter in a season like this is is pretty good. His ERA has usually been in the high threes, low fours. So he's come out of the gate well and is pitching. Part of the reason why the Phillies are actually in contention in, in one of the eight playoff spots right now is his ability to help with that that rotation. All right, now let's move on to some things that we liked this week. Personally, I want to take it off the field uh, for biggest plays of the week. The trades at the deadline – the San Diego Padres moved nine players, most notably Clevenger moving from Cleveland to San Diego. He's going to be a big guy to bolster their rotation come pennant time. Yeah, I think the Padres made a lot of <laughs> a lot of moves at the deadline. Clevenger, obviously the biggest name in there. I think the one that is kind of flying under the radar is, I believe they got Mitch Moreland as well from the Red Sox, which who has been hitting very well. And you throw him in the lineup with Tatis and Myers and Machado and those guys, and it's a, a left-handed bat that they probably needed. Um, but Clevenger, yeah, to help with that rotation, since Paddock hasn't been pitching that well as of lately, he might heat up as it gets going. His last start was pretty solid. Uh, getting another big arm into that rotation, especially a pitcher-friendly in pitcher-friendly San Diego, Clevenger's numbers could get even better, which – be fun to watch over these next 30 games and as I think no one doubts that the Padres are going to make the playoffs now barring anything crazy happening Clevenger just I think he came out and said the Padres are the most exciting team to to watch in baseball so he was certainly very happy to to go there uh, which isn't surprising given everything that they're doing this year yeah another guy speaking of the Padres another guy that is a little bit under the radar um 
is Austin Nola. Uh, came over from the Mariners in another trade. He's a catcher. He had a 900 OPS this season so far. That's going to be a pretty big addition to that lineup. Um, they had a little bit of a hole, especially offensively, at catcher. So um, certainly shored up a couple of positions there. I think they've got a legitimate chance. That I, they probably won't catch, catch the Dodgers in the regular season, but they've got a legitimate chance to, to make a run in the playoffs. Um, I would love to see a Padres Rays World Series. I think that would be pretty incredible to watch. See, I've personally been waiting for a Dodgers Yankees series, but the Yankees keep screwing it up. <laughs> I don't know. You might be the only one who wants to watch a Dodgers Yankees series. That's just the rich getting richer. <laughs> yeah, sitting here with my Brooklyn Dodgers hat on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, a couple other things I liked from the last week. Uh, we had three different people hit three home runs in a game. Marcelo Zuna, Dickerson for the Giants, Adam Duvall um, also for the Braves. Uh, that was pretty cool. Mookie Betts had hit three earlier in the earlier in the year. Um, I think I've mentioned it at least once every week, but the Marlins are still at 500. The Tigers actually climbed back to 500 as well. So both those teams have legitimate shots at at sneaking into the postseason. And, you know, at this point, um, you got less than half the season remaining. You're playing less games than you've already played. So, you know, there's a there's a chance there where we could see at least one. I still think the Marlins will make it. Maybe two of those teams. The Tigers, to me, seem a bit less likely uh, in the postseason. I think right, it's for me. It's it's as much as the Marlins could hold on. They what? They started seven and one, and now they're five hundred. So they played six games under five hundred since they started seven and one. So if they if they can hang on, it's looking like. 500 or maybe a little bit below 500 will get you in the NL playoffs in that extended extended format. So they certainly have a shot. The Tigers, I think, is probably just a side effect of there are some pretty poor teams in the AL and NL Central right now. So being able to play each other a bunch is certainly helping. Um, I don't know if they've played the Cardinals as much yet with the Cardinals being out during COVID. So certainly be fun to track that. Um, but yeah. Either way, there'll definitely be some teams in the playoffs that no one expected in a 60-game season. All right, now let's move on to some things that we hated. Oh, great! I hate it! Music. Sweet music. Mistakes and decisions. I thought it was weird by the Yankees to not make any major moves at the deadline at 4 o'clock. They really didn't help themselves at all, and I think they're just banking on the injuries to go away by the end of September. I think I think that's exactly it. If when everyone's healthy, that lineup is deadly from a hitting perspective. Even pitching wise, if Paxton gets back on, Tanaka starts pitching well, they, I mean, their the their current roster injury free is poised to make a long run in the playoffs. I think they're hoping over this this next month, month and a half, everyone gets healthy and they can they can make a run in the playoffs instead of having to make moves at the deadline and. I honestly don't know if there's much out there that's better than their roster when they're healthy. Yeah, Clevenger probably never hurts to add an arm like that, but I'm not sure they have they have quite the haul that the Padres are willing to give up to get Clevenger. I don't think they had that same those same resources. So I think they're just banking on getting healthier like they have kind of the last couple of years when they've had injuries and then people come back before the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, in addition to the Yankees, you actually had a couple other teams that were, you know, the Astros was a bit surprising to me. They didn't do anything. The Braves didn't do too much. Um, you know, the Dodgers really didn't either. I was a little bit surprised. Those teams must just think they've kind of got as much as they needed to make it into the playoffs and then make it through. You know, speaking of the deadline as well, 
I'm not entirely sure what to make of it, but the Starling Marte, Caleb Smith trade, the uh, Diamondbacks ship Marte out. Obviously, they were in sell mode, which makes sense given their record. I, it's hard to figure out what the Marlins strategy is. Caleb Smith is a, is a pretty good looking pitcher with a lot of control left. If they don't pick up Marte's option next year, you, you pretty much just tossed away a good young pitcher for nothing. If they do pick up Marte's option next year, then that'll indicate that the Marlins are think that they might, might finally be in a position to, to contend. He's owed, I believe, 10 or 11 million. So, you know, I'm going to kind of put this in the 50-50 category. If, if the Marlins pick his option up next year, I, I kind of like it because that means that they're starting to spend some money and they're going to be a competitive ball club. If they don't, then that trade really doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Something else I wanted to talk about in this kind of in this section, Tom Seaver passed away a couple of days ago. One of the all-time pitching greats. You go back through his stats. He won the Cy Young three times. Was Rookie of the Year back in 1967. Um, pretty, pretty incredible pitcher throughout his career, especially in his prime. But then I was going back through his career statistics. You know, one thing that jumped out at me in uh, 1973 when he won his second Cy Young, he led the league with 7.8 strikeouts per nine innings. The Astros starting rotation last year as a whole averaged 10.54 strikeouts per nine innings. It's just kind of crazy to, to think about how the game has changed. Um, certainly doesn't take anything away from, from Tom Seaver's illustrious career. So baseball, baseball lost one of its best a couple, couple of days ago. Yeah, I'm pretty convinced that if back in the day the strikeout rates were as high as they are today, that guys like Walter Johnson and Randy Johnson would have struck out 26 out of 27 every third start yeah I'm with you there I think there are a couple guys that would have had a, a maybe a shot at, at a full 27 out of 27 <laughs> which we will, we will never see but um there might have been a few arms back in the day that could have done that I think for me what I hated probably the most of the past week was Chapman throwing up Rousseau's head at 101 miles per hour which is there's absolutely no no reason for that there's no it's not acceptable that should never happen Throwing at someone's head, even if you throw 70 miles per hour, is a terrible idea, let alone when you throw 101. It was, to me, it was clearly on purpose. Like, there was no Chapman, obviously, Chapman being an ex Red and ex Cub. There's, and since he's been to the Yankees, he's been, I don't think he's been quite as good, but throwing at someone's head is, to me, never acceptable. And he only got a three, three game suspension, which to me is, isn't enough given Joe Kelly got eight. For what he did um I mean, it's just inexcusable so that I would hope we never see again yeah and people forget the Yankees are the last team to be responsible for somebody dying due to a hit by pitch a hundred years and what two weeks ago <laughs> yeah I think I think with modern technology and modern healthcare, that hopefully will never be a thing again in baseball but still a hundred miles per hour to the head anything could happen um, of course, we've seen people get hit in the eye before, blowing up eye sockets and cut. It's just John Carlos Stanton needed John, almost yeah. a full facial reconstruction after getting hit by a sure. 293. Sure, it's to me, it's should never happen ever. All right, let's move on to some more positive topics of what we're going to watch this weekend. Oh, look at that! <laughs> oh, look at that! That's nice and shiny. Yeah, it's looking good. Looks really good. Oh, go figure! Look at that! Oh, look it. at that! I want to see the Pirates Reds doubleheader. Obviously. I'm sure one of you was going to pick that, but I stole it from under you. The Buccos and the Reds both really struggling this year, but we both kind of expected that right out of the gate. What do you guys think about uh, the games that you're most excited to watch? 
I think it goes without saying that either Rory and I would always be watching. That would always any game with the Reds in it is something we'd be watching. Um, they have been struggling out of the gate. I think the Reds. I mean, they're four games under five hundred now. I think five games under. So they've still got a shot to get up to that five hundred level. I believe their batting average on balls in play is historically low. So they've just been very unlucky with how they've been hitting. So if that number gets back to, I think if the season ended, it would be 50 points below the lowest ever for a team. So it's, there's been a lot of luck in that side of it. Um, I don't think the Pirates record isn't, as, isn't bad because of luck. It's bad because they're bad. So hopefully the, the Reds can sweep that. I would say the Cubs Cardinals series this weekend, it's always fun to watch those two teams play. And also as a Reds fan, it would be nice to see them beat each other up a little bit, take a couple from each other and not, not be able to move anywhere in the standings. And hopefully the Reds can gain some ground while they play the Pirates and those two play each other. So always going to be watching that. And then Padres athletics. Never thought I'd be saying I'd be interested in the San Diego Padres versus Oakland athletics series, but two exciting and fun teams to watch that have, that should make the playoffs and both are set up to make deep runs in the playoff too, if possible. So I think that series will be a fun one to watch as well. Yeah, I've got a couple things. One is the fact that there are five doubleheaders being played tomorrow. Not entirely sure what the record for most doubleheaders in a day is, but it's got to be got to be somewhat close there. Um, so that'll be interesting. I think the Reds have to sweep the Pirates this weekend to have a chance. You know, that would get them back to, um, I believe, 20 and 21, um, you know, with a third of the season remaining there. Um, and then – Padres A's as well. That that that'll be an interesting matchup, potential World Series preview if if everything went right for both those ball clubs. But you know, two teams that are typically overshadowed a little bit by their their neighbors in California and Los Angeles and San Francisco. So it'll be cool to see them see them playing each other. Yeah, twenty games in a single day and thirty seven games in a two day span. That's like a baseball fan's dream right there. It is um, a lot of baseball. Yeah, these doubleheaders with the seven innings are kind of crazy. I mean, you, you can pretty much win a game off of one pitcher. Um, not that you couldn't in a nine-inning game, but it's obviously significantly more difficult. So, we'll see how those go. All right, moving on to some of the players we're going to watch. Hey, y'all. Hey, y'all watch this. This is Hey, y'all watch this. I want to see Cabrian Hayes for the Pittsburgh Pirates. He's an outfielder in third base, and he can move around the diamond. And, Rory, I don't know about you, but I saw him coming up in Indianapolis in AAA – and he can really put the bat on the ball. He hit a home run and a double in his cup of coffee this week and a really yeah. impressive start from him. Yeah, Hayes is um, – I actually saw him at Victory Field a couple times as well, playing for the Indianapolis Indians. Um, he's known a little bit more – he's been known a little bit more as a defensive third baseman with some decent bat-to-ball skills. If he can hit for a little bit of power, he'll be a, a, a strong, a pretty good major leaguer for a, for a very long time. Um, but – the word on, you know, consensus is that he could challenge Nolan Arenado for a gold glove as soon as next year. Um, so if the Pirates, if he can find a way to continue to make some contact and, and get to 15, 20 home runs a year, um, the Pirates will have probably a perennial all-star on their hands. Go Hopefully ahead. the Pirates don't trade him away for two or three single-A prospects before <laughs> next season. Yeah, right. That's the way it's going. Um, for me this week, another third baseman to think about, Josh Donaldson, returned from injury. Um, you know, the Twins are in a tight race there with the Indians and the White Sox. They're going to need Donaldson um, to hit the way that he can for them to be able to uh, win that division. So 
interested to see how he how he responds you know coming off the DL yeah for me it'll be I've got Trey Turner and Manny Machado I think it's getting a little bit lost in the luster of Fernando Tatis Jr. but Machado is hitting over 300 I think with 10 or 11 home runs and after initial season kind of subpar from Machado's standards in San Diego he's turning on the heat in this season maybe playing next to Tatis is a little bit motivating for him to to pick his swing back up and then Turner has quietly taken over the NL batting average lead he leads and I don't think anyone really expected him to be hitting around 370 right now but he's been absolutely knocking the cover off the ball not necessarily as much for power as some home runs but more a lot of doubles and stealing some bases so he's always fun to watch with that speed and what he's able he and Soto are able to do in that Nationals lineup are between the two of them really keeping them somehow in contention all right let's move on to our Saturday game picks for the fans place oh pick me oh I know I know me me (sighs) okay fine I want to see the Cubs and the Cardinals that's a double header and I think the Cubs can take both of them if they get good pitching like they did last night from Kyle Hendricks. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think they can. Um, always tough to win two. I think with the seven innings, it's a little bit easier to win two. For me, I'm, I'm going to stick with my favorite team all year and take the Marlins over the Rays in a large upset. That's Alcantara against Blake Snell. Um, I think if they're going to squeak one out three to two, I think Alcantara will recover. He had a kind of a rough first start back from the DL. He's a good pitcher. Almost impossible to bet against the Rays these days, but I'm, I'm going to do it with the Marlins on Saturday. And for me, I'm going to pick San Francisco over Arizona, one that the, the casual baseball fan might think is somewhat of a snooze fest, given neither of them have been that strong. But San Francisco is actually still in playoff contention and hanging in there in the NL West. So Arizona's taken a cliff dive over the past two weeks. I think they lost eight in a row at one point. So they're better than their record says, I would say. And San Francisco needs to keep winning to stay in playoff contention. And I think Bumgarner's on the mound for that one. So whenever he's on the mound, there's always a chance for, for a no-hitter or for something something pretty cool to happen. And Arizona are not necessarily a bunch of slouches at the plate. They had that game where they hit for the cycle in a single inning against the Astros. And they had triple after triple. It was a fun game to watch. So no doubt that they can make things happen if they need to. Yeah, and San Francisco put up 23 against the Rockies earlier this week, so it could could end up being a, a home run fest over there and a lot of runs scored, but we'll see. All right, one last thought. All right, you sad sacks. Last call. Yeah, after this weekend, the vast majority of teams will have played um, 40 games or more, so you're looking at the final 20 here, the last third of the season, um, really only three more weeks, uh, so – all your pretenders are kind of been shuffled out, but with the expanded playoffs, that pretender list is rather small. So you're going to see an interesting last three here. At least one or two bad teams are going to make the playoffs in the NL. Hopefully the Reds are one of them. <laughs> but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see if, if teams really put the, the pedal on the gas or try to in the remaining, the remaining time in the season. Well, Rory, you're the flag man for the fish in Miami. Do you have a final thought on the Marlins playoff hopes? Yeah, they're still making it. 100% I'm staying on that all season. I think I, for a final thought from my side, I think it's kind of crazy how wide open it still is over halfway through the season. You kind of expect that in a 60-game season, but there are still so many teams right on the border or a few games behind that 
even if you're not the biggest baseball fan, you have to appreciate everything that's happening right now. And every game still matters. It's almost kind of like you're having September and October baseball for four months instead of two months, which is pretty cool. Um, so it'll be fun to watch. Um, I'm looking forward to it, especially with all the double headers. One can never get enough baseball. I'm excited. I personally had one last thing that I liked. Uh, wanted to let it be known to the media that I threw a no-hitter and wiffle ball in the backyard against my brothers. I'm not going to be taking any comments at this time. <laughs> not be discussing any trade rumors circulating regarding my career. What? I think, how many innings was it? Was it a full nine-inning game or was it like no, a three-inning? If you play a full nine innings, then the neighbor gets frustrated with you. So okay. we do uh, three-inning games, and I took it into the fourth inning because I hit a no-hitter on both ends of it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So it's a fake no hitter, but we'll let it slide. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. That was uh, week four, episode four of the Brotherly Sports Podcast presented by The Fans Place. Head over to thefansplace.com for blogs and podcasts and other great content. And you can head to the app, the Fans Place app on the Google Play Store or on the App Store and make your picks for players of the week and your game of the week. If you want to talk to the brothers, head over to thefansplace.com and hit the contact button link. That'll be all for us. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.